0: The following podcast may contain spoilers, profanity, and views or opinions that may not be representative of the author's intent of the articles discussed. We don't always take ourselves or the subject matter seriously either. Listener discretion is advised. Please subscribe to this Galactic Network podcast by going to GNcast.com slash subscribe. Or search iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play Music, or anywhere podcasts are offered.
1: rugged and beautiful Berkshire hills of western Massachusetts. Ghostly legends have prevailed since the earliest days of settlement. Around campfires and by the warmth of wood-burning stoves, old-timers tell of persons who vanished, never to be seen again, of weird night sounds echoing down the valleys, and of grown men, sound of mind, filled with undefinable fears. One of the most popular legends is that of the haunting of the Hoosack Tunnel. The digging of this railroad tunnel is a saga of blood, sweat, and tears. Begun in 1851, it wasn't finished until 1875. During those 24 years, hundreds of miners using mostly crude black powder and pick and shovel chipped away at the unyielding rock of Hoosack Mountain. By the time the tunnel was finished, 200 men had lost their lives in what came to be known as the Bloody Pit. Most died in explosions, fires and drownings, but one death may not have been accidental. In 1865, the explosive nitroglycerin was introduced to America and used for the first time in the construction of the Hoosack Tunnel. On the afternoon of March 20th, 1865, three explosive experts, Ned Brinkman, Billy Nash and Ringo Kelly planted a charge of nitro and ran toward a safety bunker. Brinkman and Nash never made it. Kelly had prematurely set off the charge, burying his co-workers alive under tons of rock. Soon after the accident, Kelly disappeared. He was not seen until March 30, 1866. His body found two miles inside the tunnel in the exact spot where Brinkman and Nash had died. Kelly had been strangled to death. Deputy Sheriff Charles F. Gibson estimated the time of death at between midnight and 3.30 a.m. An investigation was carried out, but with no suspects, the murder was never solved. Some of the workmen, however, came to their own conclusion. They knew that Kelly had been killed by the vengeful spirits of Brinkman and Nash. Fearing the tunnel was cursed, they balked at entering it. Even visitors became uneasy inside the dark, dank cavern, with water dripping continuously from the ceiling and streaming down the walls. But Travers, a mechanical engineer employed by the Hoosac Project, toured the tunnel with Mr. Dunn. Travers had been a highly respected officer in the Union Army. In a letter to his sister in Connecticut dated September 8, 1868, the engineer wrote, The men constantly complain of hearing a man's voice cry out in agony and refuse to enter the Great Shaft after nightfall. Mr. Dunn has reassured them time and time again... But the strange sound is nothing more than the winds sweeping down off the mountainside. Our work has slowed to the point where Mr. Dunn asked me to help him conduct an investigation into the matter. Last night, Mr. Dunn and I entered the Great Tunnel at exactly 9 p.m. We traveled about two miles into the shaft and then stopped to listen. As we stood there in the cold silence, we both heard what truly sounded like a man groaning out in pain. Yet, when we turned up the wicks on our lamps, there were no other human beings in the shaft. Mr. Dunn agreed that it wasn't the wind we heard. Perhaps Nash or Brinkman, I wonder. A month later, on October 16, 1868, the worst disaster in the tunnel's history occurred. Thirteen miners died in a gas explosion that blew apart a surface pumping station. Debris filled the central shaft where the miners were working. Glenn Drohan, a correspondent for the North Adams Transcript, reported that a miner named Mallory was lowered by bucket and rope to search for survivors. Brought back to the surface and almost unconscious from fumes, he gasped, No hope. Without an operating pumping station, the 538-foot shaft soon filled with water. Bodies of some of the dead miners surfaced. More than a year later, the remaining bodies were found on a raft the men had built to float on the rising water. They had suffocated from the vapors of deadly gas. Drohan wrote, During the time the miners were missing, villagers told strange tales of vague shapes and muffled wails near the water-filled pit. Workmen claimed to see lost miners carrying picks and shovels through a shroud of mist and snow at the mountaintop. The ghostly apparitions would briefly appear, then vanish, leaving no footprints in the snow. Giving no answers to the miners' calls. But as soon as the raft bound miners were found and given a decent burial, the visitation ceased. Yet deep inside the tunnel, the eerie moanings persisted, and workers were terrified. Four years after the gas explosion, a Dr. Clifford J. Owens visited the tunnel, accompanied by James R. McKinstry, a drilling operation superintendent. Dr. Owens wrote the following account which was thought to have appeared first in a Michigan newspaper. On the night of June 25th, 1872, James McKinstry and I entered the Great Excavation at precisely 11.30 p.m. We had traveled about two full miles into the shaft when we finally halted to rest. Except for the dim, smoky light cast by our lamps, the place was as cold and dark as a tomb. James and I stood there talking for a minute or two, and were just about to turn back when suddenly I heard a strange, mournful sound. It was just as if someone or something was suffering great pain. The next thing I saw was a dim light coming along the tunnel from a westerly direction. At first I believed it was probably a workman with a lantern, yet as the light grew closer it took on a strange blue color and appeared to change shape almost into the form of a human being without a head." The light seemed to be floating along about a foot or two above the tunnel floor. In the next instant, it felt as if the temperature had suddenly dropped and a cold, icy chill ran up and down my spine. The headless form came so close that I could have reached out and touched it, but I was too terrified to move. For what seemed like an eternity, McKinstry and I just stood there gasping at the headless thing. The blue light remained motionless for a few seconds. As if it were actually looking us over, then floated off towards the east end of the shaft and vanished into thin air. On October 16, 1874, Frank Webster, a local hunter, vanished. Three days later, a search party found him, stumbling along the banks of the Deerfield River, in a state of shock. Webster said that strange voices had ordered him into the Hoosack Tunnel, and once inside, he saw ghostly figures wandering about. Suddenly, something seized his rifle from his hands and beat him over the head with it. When the searchers found the hunter, he had no weapon with him, and he couldn't recall leaving the tunnel. Despite the tunnel being completed, frightening tales still circulated. In a newspaper interview, Joseph Impoco claimed the tunnel ghosts saved his life twice... He was chipping ice from the tracks one day when he heard a voice say, Run, Joe, run. He said he heard the voice before he heard the train. He added that he'd seen a guy with a torch pass by and wave, but he paid no attention to him. Six weeks later, Impoco was using an iron crowbar to free freight cars stuck on icy tracks. Someone shouted, Joe, Joe, drop it, Joe. He dropped the bar, and it was instantly struck and smashed against a tunnel wall by 11,000 volts of electricity from a short-circuited overhead power line. In 1976, a parapsychologist visited the tunnel and claimed to see a figure of a man wearing old-fashioned work clothes. The man appeared within a glowing white light. What you just heard was taken from the book Historic Haunted America by Michael Norman and Beth Scott. If you'd like to explore the Hoosack Tunnel to see if you experience something paranormal or just plain eerie, do it at your own risk, because currently as many as 12 trains per day operate through the tunnel without a schedule.
0: If you like what you've heard on this Galactic Network podcast, please consider helping us out financially by going to GNcast.com support. On that page, you'll find links to our Patreon campaign where you can make a small recurring monthly pledge of as little as $1. Or click on our Amazon affiliate link, make a purchase, and we get a very small percentage from the sale. Again, go to gncast.com slash support. And thank you for supporting the Galactic Network Podcast.
1: Do you like scary movies? Did you answer yes to that question? Have you ever thought, Hmm, I'd really like to listen to two random strangers talk on the internet about some movies that I may or may not have watched at some point in my life. Sometimes they even bring guests on, which adds to a little bit of the banter. Sometimes we cover the news of the week. Sometimes we don't talk about the movie at all. Sometimes one of us gets a little bit drunk. It's just the way that we do things over at the Podcast of Terror. If you're interested in this, please go ahead and head over to gncasts.com pot. Subscribe and enjoy the crap out of it. Leave us feedback by calling our voicemail number 805-328-3966 or email weird at gncasts.com. For more episodes, go to gncasts.com weird.